everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Wrigley Wingmen podcast. It's been a while, but Trent Johnson along with Jacob Wielander as always, and playoff baseball is upon us as we're recording right now. The Blue Jays and Orioles are underway in the AL wildcard game. The NL wildcard game is on Wednesday, and the winner of that will face our Cubs. So, Jacob, I'll bring you in here as always all the way in Olathe. So, the yes. NL wildcard tomorrow. It's... uh pretty good pitchers matchup and the Cubs will be facing the winner so what do you see in this NL wildcard match well I don't know exactly what I'm gonna see because I don't even know if I'm gonna watch it um I feel like if I were to watch it it'd just be nine innings of me second guessing trying to figure out who I want to win honestly I as far as those two teams they're very interesting because the Mets should not be here the Mets are playing out of their mind to get themselves in this position. When you look at who's not on that team right now and their injuries, it makes no sense. The Giants, it's the year 2016. 16 is divisible by two. That means that the Giants are there on some kind of weird magic. So, yeah, just the pitching matchup is going to be incredible. That's kind of one of those marquee matchups, Bumgarner and Syndergaard. Yeah, those are two of the best pitchers, hands down, in the MLB. Syndergaard and Bumgarner definitely going to get some Cy Young votes in the in the process there. They probably won't get as many votes as two of the pitchers that the Cubs have out of their five. But when you look at it from a stuff perspective, and everyone likes to talk about stuff in the postseason, you would say that Syndergaard definitely has the edge over probably any pitcher in the entire playoffs, except maybe a Max Scherzer or Clayton Kershaw, who are facing off in game one of the NLDS, I might add. So there's a lot of good pitching matchups here early on. And I just, I want to focus on the NL wildcard game just because that's the Cubs opponent. And the way I'm looking at it is I would, I don't, I don't want to go on record and say, I want this team to win. Because then you're on record saying that, and then if that team ends up winning the NL wildcard game and bouncing the Cubs, you're like, oh, what an idiot. He wanted to play that team, and they just bounced him. But I like what Jake Arrieta said, if you saw that. They asked if he had a preference, and he said, who gives a crap, but with some some harsher language a part of it. So I think that's the, the best attitude you can have, and really the only attitude you can have as a player Addison Russell said he wouldn't mind seeing the Mets just because he missed out on that series last year because of an injury but from a player's standpoint you just have to go with who's put in front of you but from a fan's perspective I would say the majority of people would want to see the Metropolitans I work with a Cubs fan at my job and he he approached me last night he's like hey I actually meant to ask you who would you rather play and I kind of told him the same thing that I don't really want to go on record, but if I if I had to choose, I'd say the Mets. And the, here's here's my reasoning behind it. So the NL Wild Card game is on Wednesday, and you'll get Bumgarner and Cindergard against each other. So then the Cubs would play one of those two teams Friday, Saturday, Monday. So Saturday would be that pitcher starting on just two days rest, if I'm not mistaken, Thursday and Friday if they wanted to throw Bumgarner or Syndergaard. So that's just two days rest. I don't, I don't think that would happen. I think that's pushing it overboard just a little bit. But with Bruce Bochy, anything's possible. You saw what he did with Bumgarner against the Royals in the 2014 World Series. It was absolutely insane. And so... You, yeah, Bum... 
Bumgarner's an absolute freak. Like, I agree with you. I think two days rest at the at the start of the playoffs is asking for too much. But it's maybe we're looking at a trouble. game it's five. Not right. If it's at the end of the playoffs or if it's a must-win game, I wouldn't count anything out with Bumgarner. I wouldn't. They might bring him in to play third and the seventh and then, like, yeah, do some kind of weird thing where he pitches it every against righties. Or I don't know. Bumgarner's a freak that way. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and so I'm looking at that, and I say, so they'd be facing Bartolo Colon probably game one, as that's that's the Mets' second option right now, I believe. And then you're looking at a uh, quite a few younger pitchers that they have. I'm not sure name-wise. I know they have some pretty pretty solid rookies, but none of the likes of the Steven Matz, Jacob DeGroms, Matt Harveys. So if you're looking at that, it's much better on paper, I would say, to face Bartolo Colon and one of the Mets' journeymen, rather than Johnny Cueto or Jeff Samarja. Not that Johnny right. Cueto or Jeff Samarja is a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but if the Giants can steal one at Wrigley with Cueto or Samarja and push this thing to a four- or five-game series, starting Bumgarner in Game 3, they're going to have a very good opportunity to you know take, take the series kind of take advantage in the series if they could sneak one of those first two games. And as we said earlier, Bumgarner could could start game five, I mean, or come bullpen work because Bochy ain't afraid to do anything. Well, and also, like you said, I mean, the Mets, we'd be facing at some point during the series, we'd be facing some starters who are younger, who have never really been there before. I would have to imagine that that is not the easiest um, setting to pitch against the 2016 Cubs in a must-win wild card game. Uh, the Giants, they don't really have as much. I guess Samarja's never really had any playoff experience. Cueto certainly has. Bumgarner's a freak. So just from that, uh, when you're looking at those kinds of things, yeah, I would most definitely rather face the Mets. Here's another thing, too. How much are you glad that we have home field advantage now? I feel like if we were to face the Mets and they would have to start with Cologne and then whoever else at, at Wrigley and we know how the Cubs have played at Wrigley this year that's huge even against the Giants I could I guess you could argue the same thing that um you know if we're gonna have to face Cueto and Samarja I'd rather do it at home so I don't know that's just one thing I think it's it's one good thing about winning 100 however many games 103 games yeah and a tie don't forget about the tie <laughs> 103 yeah, wins and a tie that. but they also the Giants also have Matt Moore who's a versatile arm that they could use in a sp- in a start or out of the bullpen so they they have the arms the Giants do maybe not in the bullpen but their starting rotation is it's not as good as the Cubs from top to bottom but it is it is deep so and the Giants also in comparison to the Mets they, they play some darn good defense and they've been there before year after year the Giants are always a uh, power in the National League so I think from, from a fan's perspective you would kind of hope the Mets would win but either way you got to Got to play the team that's in front of you, and at the end of the day, the Cubs are a better baseball team in the regular season than both of those teams, so on paper, the Cubs should win either series. Right, and it's funny that you mentioned earlier about the fans' perspective, who who we would rather play as opposed to the players. I don't know if you saw this earlier, it was, uh, they were, um, talking to Joe Madden they asked him they said are you going to be taking notes during this NL wild card game and he's like no I'm not a I'm not a take notes 
guy. And they asked Theo the same question. They said, you think like Joe, you guys are going to study up on the wild card game? And Theo said, Joe doesn't even watch our games when he gets kicked out. He pours himself a glass of wine and watches family feud. So I don't think the players are really too worried about it because like you said, they know that on paper they're better than either of these two teams. As far as their game plan, I don't think their game plan changes if they're facing the Mets um, or the Giants. I mean, I guess it would uh, given the starter and that kind of a thing, but they're going to go out there and do it no matter who they play. And I honestly believe that they're not afraid of anyone right now. I know the last week of the season, there were some maybe reasons to create question marks the way some of the starters pitched. But I truly believe they're not afraid of anyone. You saw the Jake Arrieta quote that was, uh, I think it was a week ago. They, uh, it was after Arietta's last start, which was not, not superb. No, and they wasn't asked very him, good. Like, hey, are you going to be ready for the playoffs? He said, are you going to be ready for the playoffs? Because you're going to be sitting still for like the next however many days. And he goes, I'll make the adjustments. And whoever we face, whoever I face, they're going to be in trouble. This is what he said, like right after giving up however many runs. So I don't think I don't think that's just, just like cockiness. I truly think that uh, I really think just the team itself, like they're they have a swagger right now that, you know, why wouldn't they? Even yeah, if that's, I just feel like they're going to go beat anybody. That's the attitude that they take. That's not to say I'm nervous about the playoffs or any of the matchups because it's just, you know, you have the team in front of you that people that have been alive since the 1930s have been waiting for, Jacob, and we're lucky enough to just be in our mid-20s right now, and they've been waiting for this for their whole lives. So I'm not sure if they feel the same way you do, but I just I, I have a nervous stomach now, and it's only Tuesday. We've talked about it time and time again on this podcast about how this is the way I at least uh, kind of experienced everything. Last year, the 2015 Cubs, I think it's safe to say that they uh, exceeded our expectations. Yeah, I don't on, think anyone said. They were on borrowed time, I don't think anyone like said. Say. Right. I don't think anyone like assumed they were going to be in the playoffs. So they went to the playoffs, and on one hand, you kind of, Kind of think of it as okay, they're not even supposed to be here. They're playing with house money. Anything they do is a cherry on top. But then once you get to the NLCS and you see how the way they'd be playing, you you kind of think to yourself, you know, like it's not easy to get to the NLCS. You got to take advantage of these chances. Anyway, my point is uh, now in 2016 that they're the best team in baseball, at least on paper by far. The stakes are high now. If if they do anything besides win the World Series. Then it's like, well, there's year one of our wasted window. We already wasted one year of our window now, because you know everyone's a year older. Arietta's a year away from getting, you know, moving on. Lester's a year older. We just wasted that year. So now, yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be hard to keep food down for the next few days. Yeah, if they if they don't pull it off this year, then everyone's gonna say, oops, the same old clubs, blah blah blah. But as you said, next year is uh, they they do have everyone back for the most part after this season so i won't say it's a wasted year if they don't win the world series but i don't want to have to uh wait another 162 games i've waited long enough and you've waited long enough and so has everyone else that's a cubs fan you know they've been waiting for 80 80 years the people that are still alive and kicking well and also i mean this is record wise and i understand a team's record is not necessarily a perfect metric of how good they are i 
get that. But let's just think about wins and losses for a second. This is the best Cubs team we've seen since who was the president in like 19. I'm trying to think of who the president is. It's been a long time. I'm horrible with these types of questions, man. I can stretch if you want to Google it and I'll start talking about how William Howard Taft got stuck in a bathtub (laughs) or something. But I, I mean, like, this is the Cubs team that we've all waited for our entire lives that you and I have waited for, that our parents have waited for, our grandparents. Because, I mean, we're talking about the 30s. This is arguably that like, you can make a serious argument that this is the best Cubs team ever assembled as far as who's on the team and what they did um, during the season. Now, John Lester will be quick to point out, and I agree with him, that that means nothing. We haven't done anything yet because it doesn't matter. You don't get – it's not the NHL. You don't get the president's trophy for having the best record. You just you go to the playoffs, and then whatever happens, happens. Just ask the 2001 Mariners. Just ask, uh, I don't know, some team that didn't have a good record that won the World Series. It happens. We, it seems to be my favorite thing to say on this podcast when we talk about playoffs. It's a crapshoot. We're about to just engage <laughs> in this big, giant crapshoot. That's gonna might make as well us go to Vegas and throw some dice. Yeah, that's, and here's the thing: most of the time, when people hear the playoffs are a crapshoot. It makes them feel good because most of the time they're not the best team in baseball. So they go, okay, we, it's a crapshoot. We have a chance. That's not like, that's not the situation for us. When we hear it's a crapshoot, we get scared because we're supposed to beat every team. So now that we hear that it's crapshoot, it's like, oh God, the the Mets could beat us. Oh God. (laughs) You know, so I'm trying to focus on the positives. Instead of being the the hunter, we're the hunted at this point. Which they right. have been I've all been season, with my, but yeah, they've had a giant target on their back. I've been talking with my dad last year. Uh, the playoffs were awesome. Obviously, it was fantastic. You and I were at Game Two of the uh, NLDS, and it was a fantastic game. I got home and I remember thinking, like, that wasn't even fun, man. Like, I just that was horrible. Like, I just was so scared the entire time. So this year, despite what we've been saying about how the stakes are high, I'm really gonna make an effort to absolutely enjoy this. Because if I sit here and if I just count down the days until they blow it, then it's like you lose twice. So I'm just going to go in there as what I, you know, the Cubs, my favorite team is the best team in baseball going into the playoffs. And I'm going to act accordingly, or at least try. The last team to win 103 games is a 2009 Yankees who won the World Series. Does that make you feel better? It makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> I was really worried until that statistic, but now I'm ready to go. When When's Friday? Let's go. Yep. Also, 538 ESPN's little simulation thing gives the Cubs a 28% chance to win the World Series, which that's uh, that's a pretty astounding percentage when you think about it. You might hear 28% and say, "Oh man, we're not we have no chance. That's only one out every four times or four and a half times." But um three and a half times, not four and a half. But if you look at it, if you're head to head Against someone in the AL in one series, you're only going to have maybe a 55 or 60% chance of winning before that series even starts. So having a 28% chance to win three series in a row, is a, that's, a, that's a pretty high percentage. So the simulations feel strongly. Vegas has the Cubs' 2-1 to odds-on favorites, which unfortunately the favorites usually don't win before the playoffs. But Vegas is right a lot of the times. They have pretty smart people over there out west. So 2-1 two, two is pretty heavy as the people in Vegas are pretty smart, Jacob. So two to one favorites, pretty heavy. And uh, a lot of the things they look at in those simulations and the odds is just the, the pitching, right? 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Cubs pitching staff right now, it's just godly. You got John, you got both John Lester and Kyle Hendricks, who are both uh, among the favorites to win the Cy Young. Um, and then you have Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta, it seems like he's just fallen off a cliff this year, right? It seems like he is just like a shell of his former self. But if you look at it and look at like opponents' OPS, you know about opponents' batting average, like what they're batting against you. If you look at opponents' OPS, I think him and Lester are one and two. I know at one point a few weeks ago, Arietta still led all of baseball with opponents' batting average. So now a lot of that is just because of how good he was for the first uh, couple months of the season. But still, Arietta is still a great guy to have as your third starter in the playoffs. The thing with Arietta right now is he's kind of vintage Jake Arietta, or he's going to give up five runs. There's really no in between, which is concerning. It's not, you know, that that makes it a little scary for the playoffs. But when you look at the Cubs rotation, Lester, Hendricks, Arietta, and Lackey, that is a great rotation. Even Lackey, if nothing else, just for the fact that he's John Lackey, he's pitched on how many different playoff teams he's been there before. If that's your number four guy, and by the way, he has like a sub four ERA, a lot of these teams, you know, the Mets fourth guy is not going to have, we're going to feel more confident in John Lackey than any other team is with their fourth guy. I think that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, and John Lackey actually had the best whip of his career this year with 1.06, Jacob, and that's in a, in a tribute to the defense behind him all season. The defense has been so good, especially on the infield. They have many top defenders around the infield, so that helps any pitcher, and that's that's part of the reason why a lot of these pitchers' ERA is so low because – the Baezes and the Russells and the Bryants and the Rizzos can get to a lot of baseballs that other players just can't get to. And you also have to add Jason Hamill into the mix coming out of the bullpen. If one of the starters has a poor start, you can lean on Hamill, who had a fairly decent season. Right, and that defense especially, I think, helps Hendricks. I think if we had an average or below-average defense, Kyle Hendricks does not have the kind of year he does. If you look at how Kyle Hendricks pitches, it's obvious. He's just trying to pitch to contact, get some ground balls. And he probably feels a lot easier, or he feels a lot better uh, uh, throwing those balls over the plate or maybe throwing, you know. that He has he feels a lot better pitching that way, knowing he has the defense behind him. So, yeah, I absolutely think that's a huge reason. Uh, whoever's coming out of the pin, whether it's going to be Hamill or whether it's going to be Wood or uh, Cahill, Mon- Montgomery, there's all kinds of flexibility in as far as people's roles, where they can use them. And, yeah, poor Jason Hamill, man. Like, I know he didn't have a fantastic season, but he had a pretty good season. Like, he's on the play. He's a lock for the rotation on a handful of these playoff teams if he was on a different team. Yeah, I think he just got unlucky that he's on, uh, you know, the same staff with John Lester and Kyle Hendricks and Jake Arrieta. But, yeah, there's a lot of options, which is good. Yeah, and then you look at the team offensively. They have a high on base percentage. They they take their pitches. They draw the walks. So defense, pitching, and on base percentage are three keys that you want to have going into the playoffs. The Cubs have all three, so you'd like to feel good about it, and I do. Again, the playoffs are a crapshoot, but I, I like what's put in front of us. I like the chances. I just hope that they can execute to their fullest extent and play the best 11 games of baseball they've played all season. 
you know, I hope they get hot, and I think they will get hot because last year in the playoffs, last year was a perfect or should have been a perfect example of how you can have great players, but if they really are just kind of thrown into the mix, if they're thrown into the playoffs, they don't really perform. Like, that should have happened. Um, but really, everyone kind of took off. Chris Bryant took a little bit to get there, but Rizzo was hitting home runs. Everyone was hitting home runs last year in the playoffs, but there wasn't really a whole lot of guys that were just really struggling. You saw Schwarber take off. You saw Bryant. They were already playing like that was their fifth postseason, and they had just showed up. Some of them had just showed up a few months earlier. So I feel really good. I'm not necessarily as scared as I would be as far as players you know not being able to step up to the moment the whole team i really think they're just ready for this and i think it's a good mix of guys like bryant who are you know are really really good and then you have guys like zobris who've been there before you you have guys um you guys all over that have been there before or veterans on the team so it really is you just got to get hot but uh i think the cubs are in the best position to do that what do you feel about the break not playing for six days or five days? Do you think that plays into it at all? It makes me kind of nervous personally. It does. Not. I'm glad that they were able to have their little simulated game today, but you can tell. I mean, it doesn't take – it's not the same. You saw, I don't know if you saw – Dexter Fowler's Dexter going Fowler. out there with Miami Dolphins helmets on, man. So it's, it's that, more of a laid back. I was about back, to say you know? that. So – it's obviously not the same experience. They're not getting the exact same level of, uh, you know, of practice. It's a, it's, it's a scary thing. I think the way that that could hurt us would be the offense being a little rusty as opposed to whoever we end up playing. But here's the thing too: the wild card game. I don't know. I was about to say that the wild card team's going to have to wait for a while too, but they're only going to have to wait really one day. Where we're going to have to wait all this time. I think Joel Madden knows what he's doing as far as keeping everyone um, as as fresh as he can. Um, I think, I mean, there's really nothing we can do about it. It's unfortunate. I wish there wasn't that break, especially guys like Arietta. Arietta was going to go, he's almost going to go 12 days without pitching or without like an actual start. So we'll see what happens. I'm hoping that we don't kind of fall into that rusty period where we can't really get things done but we'll see yeah i trust joe i trust the guys so hopefully that doesn't happen but jacob we'll we'll wrap it up there and we'll sit back we'll watch the playoffs for a few days and we might pop up with an episode mid-series just to see what's going on and hopefully voice whatever the opposite of frustration would be ecstasy we'll voice our ecstasy i cannot Wait to voice some ecstasy. There you go. Not that illegal kind. We're just talking about pure joy because hopefully the Cubs will be winning. So until next yeah. time, everybody. Trent Johnson, Jacob Wielander, both heads of the Wrigley Wingmen here. We will be back at you at some point during the playoffs. So thanks for tuning us. As always, go Cubbies, and hopefully we can fly that W 